so. <laughs> and here at the same time, so it's okay. Okay, so we're talking about Hanukkah. That's today's topic. Okay, here's the handout. Um, like I said, I prepared this like really, really late at night. I actually fell asleep reading something. I was like, whoop, <laughs> I think I missed the last line. <laughs> My eyes looked at it, but the brain did not register. So what that means is that the order here is not perhaps completely, completely worked out. Um, where do I want to start? I think let's start with source number one. Now, the reason this is taking up so much room, don't let it overwhelm you. This is the parak in Parshas Mase, which is the very, very end of Sefer Bamidbar, Chumash Bamidbar. And it lists the 42, um, the 42 stages in what, the travels of the Jewish people in the desert. Okay, so I actually ended up putting the whole thing in because I know sometimes if you're doing something based on a number, you like to see it inside and be able to count for yourself. All right? Right. Okay. Oh, actually, you know what? Before we start with that. So that's what that is. Sorry. I warned you. All right. Um, did I? Yes. Um, this is, do I have the full lush in here? One second. I'm going to have it on a different. I'm sorry. Did not organize the pages here too well. Oh, yeah? Okay, I'm going to want to hear it. Yes, I'm going to want to hear it. Okay. Something new is always... Okay, this is what I wanted, was to read you the actual source. Okay. Um, which is not actually on this one, which is what I thought it was. Okay, so this is going to be the closest thing. The Gemara in Shabbos. Gemara in Shabbos, Chafalif says, Isa, it was, it was taught. Mai Chanukah. What is Chanukah? The Tanu Rabbanan, our sages have taught, the Chofhebe Kislev, on the 25th of Kislev, Yomi de Chanukah. This is the day, starts the days of Chanukah. And what is that about? Why do they, why do they make a holiday of Chanukah? When the Yevonim, the Greeks, came into the sanctuary, they made Tame. All of the oils that were in the heichal, shegaver malchus beis chashmonai v'nitzachum, and when the kingdom of the house of the Hasmoneans gained strength, that's okay, and was victorious to them. Well, we saved this. <laughs> when the kingdom of the house of the Hashmonaim was victorious over them, Badku, they checked, Velo Matsu, and they did not find Elapach Echot Shel Shemen Shahayamunach Bechosamo Shel Kohen Gadol. They could not find only, I mean, that's in Hebrew that makes sense, meaning they found nothing except. They only could find Pach Echot Shel Shemen, one jug, one container of oil that was set on the side, and which had upon it the seal of the Kohen Gadol, below Hayabo, and there was not enough in it except, there we go again, Lahadlik Yom Echad, to light for one day. Nasebo Nes, a miracle was done with it, and they were able to light from it for eight days. Okay. Oh, I know where I had the source. I have it in the Abu Darham quotes, the whole thing. Okay, never mind. It's not that that story is new to you. 
but to hear how is it that the Gemara describes why do we have Hanukkah? Mm-hmm. That's, that's piece number one. Why do we have this description? Because when the Hasmoneans, the house of Hashmona, gained strength, um, then they were Shmona. able, yeah, Sorry, why were they, yeah, 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 that's exactly right. When the house of Hashmona, so what is Hashmona? Hashmona is the name of a place. We know that because when we say Al-Hanisim, when we say Al-Hanisim, we say, Bimei Matisyahu ben Yochanan, Kohen Gadol, Hashmonai Uvanav. Hashmonai means a person from Hashmona. And the is just eight also in front of Shmona. That's right. I don't know why you come. Yeah. Were you going to say that? That's okay. Among other things. That wasn't the punchline. We're good. Look. Okay. There's clues. There's clues. There's clues. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. So they established this and they called it Hanukkah because they were able to dedicate... Right? Rabbi, Rabbi Goldberg talks about this. What is chinuch? Right? The Rashi on Vayarech es chanichav. Chinuch is not teaching. Rashi says chinuch is the initiation of a person or object into the craft or expertise for which it is destined to remain, to stand. Wait, and the initiation? initiation of a person or object into the craft or expertise or training. Yeah, that's a Rashi. I learned it from Rabbi Goldberg, just like you did. Just 20 years earlier. (laughs) (laughs) For which it is destined to be able to stand. It means to stand in it. It means to stay in it. To put something on the track for which it's, it's, it's destined to excel, what its strengths are going to be, and that it's going to continue that way, as opposed to something where it's not sustainable. So you're putting somebody on a sustainable success. That's, it's the thing that it's dedicate. It's dedication. It's dedicating something to a certain task or a person to a certain task. But it's, right, you're, it's the beginning of putting them on that path. All right. Back to Alhanisim. I'm sorry. I, I already apologized in advance that the... The order here is going to be a little bit, as I, I didn't write it down as an outline. Okay. So, in the days of Matisyahu, the son of Yochanan, the Kohen Gadol, the Hashmona'i, the person from Hashmona, and his sons, when the, when the government, when the kingdom of Yavon, the wicked kingdom of Yavon, stood up against your nation, Israel, to cause them to forget your Torah and to remove them from the from the mitzvot of your will, from doing your will, and you in your great mercy stood up for them in the time of their troubles, and you fought their battles, and you judged their judgments, and you took their vengeance for them, and you handed over the mighty into the hands of the weak, the many into the hands of the few, <coughs> the tamayim into the hands of the tehorim, the wicked into the hands of the tzaddikim, the intentional sinners into the hands of those who are intentionally working on Torah, and for you, you did, shame gadol v'kadosh be'olamecha. You made for yourself a great and holy name in your world. And for your nation Israel, you made a great salvation and redemption just like this day. After which, your sons came into the sanctuary of your house and cleaned out 
the sanctuary, and made Tahor the Mikdash, and they lit candles in the courtyards of your Beis HaMikdash, the Kavu, one that way, one that way, the Kavu, and they established Shmonas Yemei Chanukah Elu, eight days of, these eight days of Chanukah, Lahodos, Ulahala, Lashimcha Hagadol, to give praise, to acknowledge and to praise your great name. Okay. So why is it called Chanukah? It's called Chanukah because of Chinuch, because they reestablished the Mizveach, or they reestablished the Avoda in general. What we're hearing here is, what, what are we celebrating on Hanukkah? What are the biggies? Looking at Al-Hanisa, looking at the Gemara, one is the Hanukkah, the rededication of the Avoda in the Beis HaMikdash. One is they couldn't find oil, and then they did. And there was a miracle about the oil that it was only enough for one day and lasted for eight days. But if we look at Al-Hanisim, it doesn't say that. What it says is they lit the candles and established eight days of dedication for praising your great name. And it's actually an emphasis because it first said, Ulecha Asisa, for you, Hashem, you made for yourself Shem Gadova Kadosh Belamecha. You made your name great and holy. And then afterward, they came and they made days of Hanukkah to make your name great and holy. So the name being great and holy is one important, right? It's like kind of a, a few things going on here that aren't all identical. So I don't think we're going to cover like how you pull them all together, just because like that's, I think, a different topic. Not that I'm so solid on what my topic is. We're going <laughs> around, but we have enough material here. We could spend the whole eight days of Hanukkah. All right. What I wanted to start with was Hashmona. What is this place, Hashmona? Matisyahu is from Hashmona. So Hashmona is a place in the Torah. Okay? I'm not sure Matisyahu was actually from Hashmona, by the way. Okay? I mean, the, the classic attribution is that he's from the area around what is now called Makabim. <laughs> right? You have, uh, you have Modi'in, right? They were from the area around Modi'in. The first battles were there. And that's now all the, name pla- all the places are named that, right? You have Moshav Matityahu and Modi'in and Makabim and like all these uh, places. I have no idea where they got this idea. There's a place that's called the Kivrei Makabim. Like, it's actually by the side of the road. You're driving down the highway on 443 and you're like, there's like a little sign, turn here for the Kvaras of the Makabim. And you're like, well, that's very interesting. Right? A lot of places like that. I used to go to business meetings. You know, you take the exit off Route 1 from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to go to Yehud. There's a little business park in Yehud. Yeah, get off at Yehud, and it happened every single time. There's a little sign just as you get off the freeway that says Kever of Binyamin, Ben Yaakov, to the right. And I never could stop. Like, I never would remember that so that I could leave my house much earlier, you know? So there I am. I'm like, look, i got to go straight to my meeting. And I was always like, I can't believe I'm missing this. Now, I don't know on what basis, like, I don't know how old the tradition is. Sometimes you have funny ones. There's certain shvatim that have, like, a few kvaros in Israel. So, yeah. you know, yeah, not because they were buried in pieces, just because different people maybe decided yeah, that's where it was. Okay. 
but it's interesting. Wow. All right, so Hanukkah. Hanukkah is also, you've heard this, Hanukkah, mm-hmm. right? You can break the word Hanukkah into Hanukkah. So what is Hanukkah? Hanu, they rested. Kafei on the 25th. Because they rested on the 25th of Kislev. But you know, Hanu doesn't mean to rest. Like we don't say, have a nice Shabbos. Like, right. Hanu means they encamped. They encamped Kafei, the 25th. I don't mean to contradict like the explanation, they rested on the 25th. I'm not absolutely certain what that would mean because Hanukkah is not like a Shabbos or Yantif that you can't do malachas, so I'm not sure about the resting, right? So it's like they parked. <laughs> Nowadays, Hanu would mean parked, right? They encamped, they settled down. Okay, so if you take a look at the list and you start counting, these are the journeys of the Jewish people. Asher Yatsumer, it's Mitzrayim, when they came out of the land of Egypt, let's see, in their throngs by their hosts, Biad Moshe Aaron, by hand of Moshe and Aaron. And Moshe wrote down their goings out and their travels according to the word of God. These are their travels and their goings out. Vayisume Ramses, they traveled from Ramses. Bechodesh Harishon in the first month, Bechamisha Asar Yom Lechodesh Harishon, on the 15th day of the first month. On the morning of the Pesach, they left the land of Egypt with a high hand before the eyes of all the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were burying all of the firstborn children that had been killed, smitten by God. And against their gods, God, their idols, God made judgment. The Jewish people traveled from Ramses. I think that's a mistake. I think it's me. I'm not that excited about this particular source sheet maker, but it is, it is easy. So, okay, let's count. No, 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 it's much more. They left Ramses. Um, now we're up to Hamidbar. This is a travel. Okay, this is what happened over there. That was ten. I got to start a new set of fingers. Uh, no, I just read that. No, you didn't. No, it's a lot of traveling. By the way, I say it's a lot of traveling. Rashi points out every single travel and every encampment was difficult. It wasn't easy to have to pack up your whole house and move and all that. And that's why each one, it says, they traveled, they encamped, they traveled, they encamped, because it matters. Okay, that was another 10, so now we're 20. 
Vayisu Mimiska, Vayachnu Bechashmona. That's the 25th place, the 25th encampment of the Jewish people in the desert, is a place called Chashmona, which gives a whole new meaning to Chanukah. They encamped 25. The 25th encampment is Chashmona. Chashmona is the description of Matisyahu and his family. Matisyahu Chashmonoi. Matisyahu, the Hasmonian. Hasmonian means like nothing, right? Chashmonai is someone from Chashmona. Okay, like I said, I'm not sure he was from Chashmona. He's described as a Chashmonai, a Chashmona person. Chashmonai means a Chashmona person. So normally that means someone who is from that place, right? It's not a place in Israel. At least not this one. This is in the desert. Right. So there's, that's still in the desert. Okay. Or in the wilderness, at least. All right. So the word chashmona. So when you want to know what a word means, you look for the root. Chashmona. So that's what I put on the board. Chashmona is a four-letter root, which is a pretty rare thing. Usually you're looking for a three-letter root. But you could look at it and say, oh, that's funny. I hear the word shmona. I know the word shmona. So I have a ches, which is eight, as Eliza <laughs> said, and shmona, which means eight. So last week we talked about the number eight. Eight means? Oh, above the natural world. Above the natural, exactly. Eight means that which is supernatural. It also is the role of the Jewish people, you remember? So eight, eight means that which is supernatural, but it means that where mm. there is some kind of initiation or effort from the side of mankind. A bris milah is on the eighth day. It's supernatural. It's something above the natural. The natural is what God sent in to us. They said, he sent us this child, right? But the bris milah is something that we did to fulfill his will that was unnatural to do otherwise. There's no other reason to do it other than to fulfill God's will. Then you get eight. It's not something you need to eat. It's not something you need to drink. It's not something you need for safety. It's supernatural, okay? We've talked about that with Yosef, right? The control of the Sahara. To control a taiva is supernatural. Isn't it? Isn't it? That is a supernatural thing. So this, when we talk about supernatural, it's not supernatural as in it starts from above and we just stand there and receive it. We talk about the number eight and being supernatural. The kindling of that flame is from below. And then there's a supernatural reflection of that from above. Wait, see that last thing again? The Sorry. kindling okay. that sup the kindling of the supernatural is is beginning below with us. And then it is reflected back or even amplified back from above. So we may be able to make only a very small, right? Like sometimes the self-control is like, I can't do this at all, so I'm just going to say, okay, Hashem, I, I'll do my best. Like, I, I'll just keep trying, right? And that will be the, it's a kindling. It, it's kindling a flame. Okay? And it's a supernatural thing, and that brings down. So we have the word shmona. Well, what's the root of shmona, which is eight? It's actually shemen, which is oil. That's really the root of the word. Okay, so oil, we also talked about a little bit last week, right? Oil is something physical from down below. That's the fuel, right? 
and it goes up the wick and it turns into something that's light, which is always our description of the spiritual. So again, it's a kindling, it's a taking that which is physical, but having it fully dedicated to that which is spiritual. You can see then why Shemen is a suitable root for the number Shemona. Because it's, it's that same idea distilled down. What if I wanted to know the root of the word Shemen? Okay, you don't have to go there. You don't, because a three-letter root is good, right? But there is a principle. Rav Hirsch for sure develops this out in a big way that every three-letter root actually has a two-letter root. Okay, so he does this all the time. He'll connect words that have the same two-letter root and show you how they are variations. The three-letter roots are variations on the core theme of the two-letter root, which is like a, it opens up whole new ways of understanding words. Okay, well, the root of shaman, I guess, is sham. Or shame. Shame, sham, neskadol hayasham. It also helps us to understand what we saw over here, right, in Al-Hanisim, I should have left it open. Right, which was this sort of culmination of Al Hanisim. Right. You made for yourself shame a great and holy name in your world. And They established these eight days to acknowledge and give praise to your great name. That somehow that's like the punchline. That's the, that's the end goal. And Hanukkah is getting to shame, getting to his name, being out there, being publicized, right? Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name, which sanctifying God's name is kind of the ultimate shmona. What does it mean that we sanctify God's name? Okay, a person could die for God, but we've also talked about it with Akedah Yitzchak. A person could live for God. But either way, what it means is taking all of that physical existence and saying this is purely dedicated to Hashem. And whatever purpose it will serve for Hashem, that is what is meaningful. That's what counts. And any other need or direction or drive will never trump it. Not trump it. Trump it. All right. So starting on that note, I want to read to you. An awesome piece. This is new to me this year. This is from a book called Lahodos Ulahalo. It's from it's by Rav Brevda and it's based on the teachings of the Gra. A lot of it a big, was a big bucky and Gra. Okay, why are there eight days of Hanukkah and not seven? This is the classic question brought by the Shulchan Aruch, and I think people have put together books. You know, four hundred answers to <laughs> why is it why are there eight days of Hanukkah? So, so the question of the Shulchan Aruch asks is if um, if there was enough oil, if the Gemara says there was enough oil in this little pach to go for seven day, for, for one day and it lasted for eight, then why do we have an eight-day miracle? We should say there was a seven-day miracle. The first day was natural. And the seven days, okay. Already, now that I said that question, we are really equipped to hear that question differently from, from last week's class. Because we talked about eight. And what is eight? Seven plus one, right? Right, it's always seven plus one. Eight is a seven plus one. I mean, that's not just math. <laughs> we don't say eight is four plus four and five plus three, right? 
6 plus 2, like it is those things, 8 plus 0. Often, the supernatural aspect of 8 will play out as 7 plus 1, us, right? Referring to the future times, the Messianic era, us, Yashir Moshe, us is Aleph Zion, 1, 7. That, that's classic, that is typical, that's expected from the number 8, is that it's a 7 and a 1. Okay, also because if you have a natural cycle, that's a cycle of seven. Seven days of the week, seven years in a Shemitah. That's always going to be a cycle of seven. If you have something where, again, it's, it's kindled with our effort, that kind of supernatural. But, you want to lie down under the table? Are you okay over there? You've been so quiet. Um, then what that eighth, that number eight, turning a seven into an eight means that you take the number one that you would come back around to because a cycle after seven comes one really, right? You go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. When you do that, you keep getting back to the same place. It doesn't end. It doesn't end, it doesn't but end. it also doesn't go anywhere. Hakafos, seven, hakafos, right? When you have an eight, I mean, something has changed. So now, if we picture the number seven as being seven steps that come back around in a circle, if instead of a number one, it becomes number eight, it becomes a spiral, meaning now I've come up a level. Now I'm, tr now I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk through one through seven again, but on another level up. It's like I've gone up a floor, and now I'm walking around in a circle. That's the number eight. That is the quality of eightness. It's a seven plus one. It's not, it's not that I just came back to one again. Now it's eight. My seven plus one didn't bring me to one. It brought me to eight. It brought me to a whole new level. That is the supernatural, the ability to break out and above the cycle of the natural. The cycle of the natural of seven is already a big achievement. Because a seven is six weekday. It's six natural, 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 plus one of holiness. Mm -hmm. But what happens with the holiness? When we become changed, then when we get back to one, it isn't one, it's eight. Okay? This is the cycle of seven. So when we hear the Shulchan Aruch's question, you start to realize, hey, there's that pattern again. Eight days of Hanukkah, but it's made up of a one and a seven, right? The first day where the miracle is they found the oil and the seven days where the miracle is that it burned. And the Gemara mentioned both. It said they couldn't find any oil and they found one. The oil couldn't burn for more than a day and it burned for eight, right? So there's like two parts to this miracle, a seven part and a one part. And the one part was, what was the miracle of the one? that they were able to find the oil at all. Okay, so coming back here to Rav Brevda. He starts by quoting the Shulchan Aruch's question. It seems like there would only be seven days of miracle. And then there's the answers, and there are many, many, many answers to that. And the Me'iri, the classic answer, the Me'iri on the Gemara and Shabbos over there says, well, he's not answering the Shulchan Aruch, but he predates the Shulchan Aruch, but the Me'iri says over there, because the first day was also a miracle, just finding the oil was a miracle. All right. Rav Brevda says, let's think more about the implications of that Me'iri. 
finding it, finding the oil was a miracle. The Yevonim specifically, you know, it, it's mentioned, he quotes the Bach, but I'd like to show it to you just in a more familiar place, the hint to that, in Alhanisim. When the Yevonim came, you know, it's not, it's not in Alhanisim, I just told you that before, it's not, sorry, back in the Gemara, I'll wake up eventually. Um, back in the Gemara, it said, When the Yevonim came into the Heichal, they were metame all the oils. He says, the Yevonim came in intentionally with their soldiers to the Holy Temple in order to be metame the oil. That's what the Gemara is telling us. It's not incidental that the oil was tame. It's intentional. It, the problem wasn't that they couldn't find any oil. It was all over the place. But it was all tame. And that was on purpose. They didn't steal the oil. They didn't use the oil. They just wanted a tame. That was good enough for them. right? It was the Yevonim who came to the Soreg, which is the low fence that divides the area where non-Jews come in the Beis HaMikdash from the area that Jews can continue into, and they breached it. They didn't need to tear it down. They didn't need to melt down the metal you know, for the war effort. They didn't like the idea of you saying there's anything different, that there's a spiritual or qualitative difference in things. They wanted to say, no, there's, there's equality, everyone's the same. You could worship your God as long as you worship our gods. Right? Temple is nice. Holy temple, don't be silly. Right? Anyone can go anywhere. We'll just breach the wall. We're going to show you that there's no differences. Everything's all the same. Right? Um, oil? Oil, shmoil. Right? Whatever oil. We'll just make it tame. That was on purpose. Uvecholzos. And nonetheless, nishar pach echad shalomatsu. There was one jug of oil that they didn't find. Benishar Batara, and it stayed pure. They couldn't find that one. This reminds you of Parsha Svayishlach that we just read. Right? Yaakov brings everything over. The Maharal gives a whole reasoning to show you, to show you why it has to be, why Rashi comes to the conclusion it must be he forgot the little jugs of oil, and then he went back for them. He said they matter. Even a little jug matters. And he shows you how it can't be that he was just making more trips and hadn't brought them yet. It's like a whole reasoning, very convincing reasoning. There was one jug they couldn't find. Yeah. And when the Hasmonians were able to overpower them and come into the base HaMikdash, few and weak and exhausted and drained, Badgu, they started looking. It's a good one, huh? <laughs> the take of Matsu es tahor, and they immediately did find this Tahar one. Nes Gadol Hayasham. A great miracle happened there. And afterward, another miracle happened. It lasted for eight days instead of one. Ulaniyaz Daiti, in my humble opinion, says Ravda. <laughs> Yeshkan Musar Haskel Gadol. There is a very great lesson for us to learn. The two miracles are intimately intertwined. It's not a miracle of seven and a miracle of one that have no connection. 
Because if they have no connection, we're very dissatisfied feeling, really, about eight days of Hanukkah. Right? If you have two different miracles, it's a little tough to call that a seven and a one that makes an eight. Like, they've got to be connected to be an eight. It's not enough to say there's one miracle one day and another miracle seven days. He says, no, this is, these, are, these are interconnected. A jug of oil that can stay pure when every other jug of oil is being hunted down and contaminated. That's miraculous. That's a miraculous jug of oil. Meaning, just the fact that it exists is miraculous. That's the miracle of the first day just the fact that it manages to exist when they're trying to make it not be that way. Its identity should change. It didn't change. If so, then we should expect from this, mir- from this little jug of oil very great things, miraculous things. We also hinted to this last week. When you see something that isn't where it should be, it's out of place, that means it has been sent there, right? To perform, to give, to be mashpia, to influence. Something from the spiritual world, something from a world of miracles that is suddenly in a place where it doesn't seem possible it could be, then we expect miracles to happen there. We expect it. And also, you remember the Maharal's approach? That's gonna be something that will not be ever, ever become depleted. So long as it's serving its purpose, it doesn't become depleted. It's not going to behave like all other amounts of oil like it that only last for one day. Therefore, in our days, in our generation, any individual Jew who remains pure in his thinking and in his faith and is faithful to Torah and mitzvot, who nays gadol? The very existence of a Jew who keeps Torah and bonds himself to God, that is a very great miracle. Ki halo rive rivavos me'achinu beis Yisrael nishmedu lifnei kama asaroshanim. It's only been a few decades since tens of thousands and millions of us were killed the Rive Rivavos and hundreds of thousands in Isbolalubain Hagoyim Vinishtamdu, and the ones who weren't physically killed, how many hundreds of thousands and millions have become swallowed up and mixed in with all the other nations and have been destroyed that way? Anyone who remains and is faithful to Hashem and his Torah, may Hashem be blessed. Has to consider himself like that one jug of oil in the days of the Chashmonai. Wow. That's truth. If so, then what do you expect of us? Very great things. Very great things. Because you know what? We're here, each of us sitting around the table. We are very unexpected. We're very unexpected. According to the numbers, I mean, we are the real minority. This is the minority of the minority of the minority. And the Western culture has come in methodically, 
with every effort to try and wipe us out, either it's on the battlefield, meaning physically, or spiritually. We'll just make you like every other oil. You don't need. So what's expected of us then? It must be that there is spiritual and miraculous greatness. That's our purpose. We're pachim kitanim. Yaakov went back for very little jugs. Thank goodness he did, because it sounds like he was coming back for us. And who knew what would be left, right? Maybe the only thing that you're going to have left at the end is the pachim ketanim. Right? So maybe it's little tiny miracles, but miracles. This by itself, miracles. Okay. And what, what that means is, then, that we have to recognize that we are rooted in the world of the spiritual. We are, each of us, is a spiritual phenomenon that is miraculously appearing in the physical world. And our purpose is to be mashriya. As the Maharal said, he just didn't apply to this, but now it becomes clear that we're here to be mashbiya. And we're here to be like Sarai Menu's candles, right? Where the oil lasted from week to week. Like the oil in the base of Mikdash, where the oil lasted another whole week. Miraculous to be here. And therefore, so long as we're serving our purpose, we are completely undrainable. We won't use that. We are completely tapped in then to the source of bracha. Yeah. This is really what the parsha we just read, right? The pachim ketanim. The little jugs that Yaakov went back for. So I think I added that. That's the second... uh, The second quote over there. (coughs) How do we know that he went back for the jugs? So I told you the Maharal really spells it out. But the sword, oh, nope. Yes, I did put it here. It's number two. It's on the back. Sorry. And in Pasuk, Kafe. Vayivaser Yaakov Levado. Yaakov was left all alone. Um, no, sorry. Yeah. And a man struggled with him, scuffled with him, is really the best word, until the day broke. And he saw that he could not best him. And he grabbed hold of the hollow of his thigh. And the thigh joint of Yaakov was dislocated in scuffling with him. Vayomer, and the Malach said, Shalcheni, set me free. Ki Allah hashachar, the sun has come up. Vayomer, and Yaakov said, Lo hashalechacha, I will not set you free. Ki berachtani, until you bless me, or give me the blessing. Vayomer, love, and the Malach said, Ma what's your name? Vayomer, Yaakov. He said, my name is Yaakov, his whole... The Rashi's approach to this is amazing. Why is he saying, give me a bracha? Because this is the Malach of Esav, who gave him, he gave him free will, gave him the blessing, and then is angry that he took it. He says, no, you have to give me the blessing. Admit it that it's mine. Acknowledge that it was mine, and I, it, was, it was rightfully mine. I didn't steal it from you. What's your name? They call me Yaakov. Yaakov from the word Akev, which means to follow after or to walk in a roundabout way. Like you went around. It was deceitful. Vayomer. And the Malach said, 
Lo Yaakov Yeomer od Shimcha. People won't call you Yaakov anymore. Meaning when it comes to the blessings, I admit it was not underhanded. You didn't, you know, it looked like you dressed up as me and you took it from me. You never took it from me. It was yours already. Yaakov had already sold it to him. He didn't care about it. Ki'im Yisrael, you are Yisrael. You are Yashar, you're straight, right? You are Sar, you are Regal. You are also Yisrael. The name Yisrael is a name that is also God's name in the sense that he's called Eloke Yisrael. The Malachim say Baruch Hashem Eloke Yisrael. Blessed is Hashem, the God of Israel. Right? Which means Hashem is allowing himself to be identified in terms of the Jewish people, or at least in terms of Yaakov. And you were able. Okay. Who won this fight? Right. So how how do you know? And I think Rashi says that he was healed in the end. Like he yeah, that's that's in Pasuk Lamed Beis. Vayizrach lo Hashemesh, the sun rose for him. And based on a Pasuk in Malachi, Malachi Gimel, it says near the end of days, all the way at the end of Malachi. Malachi is the last prophet. In the last prophecy of the last prophet, it talks about the sun come out and, okay, the sun will come out and it will scorch the, the Rishoyim, but be healing for the righteous. Vayizrach lo Hashemesh, the sun... Rose Sorry to interrupt. Does anyone here have a blue town and country car parked in the Formosa lot? It might be mine. Because that's sure. for employees only, so it's causing, if it is yours, do you mind moving it? Because then our employees can't park. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. <laughs> I probably will, if I can. Okay. So how do, you know, how do we know that Yaakov won the fight? Because the Malach all of a sudden says, let go of me. Mm-hmm. Now that's very interesting. Because just a minute ago, he was holding on to Yaakov. Right. He grabs onto Yaakov's leg. And he dislocates, yeah. dislocates it, which like, oh my gosh. I dislocate. Right. I can't even. That sounds really painful. Yeah. All right. There's a lot. There's so much. So far you could no, go with this. Easy. It's like unbelievable, right? <laughs> Not just the pain. Like the whole thing. Why the leg? Why the, like, okay, why dislocating? He dislocates his leg. And then, let me go. Let me go. You let me go, right? So something has completely reversed. The entire scene reversed. Who's holding on to whom? Who's the winner? So what changed? You know what changed? What changed? His name. His name changed, right? He finds that out after. But yes... But, but the indicator that we have is he saw that he couldn't best him. It's amazing because the Malach says afterward, Batuchal, you did succeed. He saw he couldn't succeed and he did succeed, right? What changed is Wait, the sun is coming up. He couldn't succeed. He yeah, ya- well, it's not clear. The truth is it's very ambiguous. Who saw that who couldn't? But let's not go there because it's not Bar Shashir. <laughs> it's very, very ambiguous. Okay, what changed? He says the sun's coming up. And in fact, it said, he scuffled with a person at Alos HaShachar. Alos HaShachar is not even the sun come. It's like the dawn, the day breaking, even before the sun is clearing the horizon. It's starting to get light. And he said, set me free, ki Allah HaShachar, because the day has broken. So what changed? It changes the light. The light came, the sun came up. Yaakov couldn't beat the Malach. That is true. He really couldn't. We don't see they made any progress. Whatever time of night this fight started, 
They didn't get anywhere. He, he couldn't win him. And I'm sure once his leg was dislocated, I think it's fair to say he wasn't having better chances of getting somewhere in this fight. Not physically. But then it sounds like he's on top of him. And then, and then he wins because the sun comes up. So the, how did he win? It seems like the way he won was just by staying in the fight, by not letting go. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't go down. He, di- he couldn't win. This fi- I don't think Yaakov necessarily knew that if he waited till morning, it would change. Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't see how, right? Right, I don't think so. Yeah, how do you, yeah, how do you that? yeah, and then when the sun comes up, what he discovers is that that which he has been battling and which in the dark looked like it's his nemesis, it's trying to bring him down. He will fail completely in his spiritual mission, in his physical mission. And as soon as there's light, what he sees is a whole different picture. This Malach is a source of blessing. Hmm. And that he has become a whole different person. He's a different person. He's Yisrael. He's not just Yaakov. He didn't stop being Yaakov, by the way. He still gets called Yaakov, right? And yet, he's, he's so much more Yaakov than he really could have been. There's some miracle going on here that came from, from just hanging on through the dark. And life has that way with us, especially in Golis, right? There's pain, and there's suffering, and there's stress, and there's anxiety, and there's hopelessness, and there's situations where we see like there is no, there is no way out. There is, it could be that the main thing here was the struggle. It's not the tactics, it's not the wrestling moves, it's not the power of the muscles. It was the struggle that changed him. Somehow in the struggle, he comes out in the morning, he's a different person. That was the first part that I came to. About that, yeah, that was an awesome one. I was thinking about that and I was like, no, we talked about that, we're not gonna bring that. That was poor in time, right? Yeah, that was an awesome one, right? The struggle in the night, the avoda of the night. And you come out and you have different strengths than you had before. Yeah, he doesn't connect to that, but that's awesome. All right. So I'm going to give you an awesome example. I heard this on a sheer a recording from Rabbi Leff. We say about Hanukkah, lehodos ulehala l'shemcha hagado. Lehodos is to acknowledge and to give thanks, depending on whether it's lehodos le, lehodos al. That's also a pachad yitzchak, right? To give thanks, to acknowledge. And there's halel. Halel is singing praise, it's reflecting, it's turning what we have seen of Hashem's greatness and turning that into words, expressing that back as praise, as words, as tehillim, is from the word halel, right? Okay. After a miracle, after a nace, a person says halel vehodah, singing praise and acknowledging gratitude. He said the word nace, what's the word nace? Nun samech. What's the significance of the letter nun? We actually did talk about this, because I remember we showed it in Ashrei, where Rashi says in Ashrei, why is the letter nun missing? Remember that? Nefila, because nun stands for falling. And how do you know that nun is for falling? Wait, in Ashrei, nun is missing? Yeah. I never pay attention to that. So you don't have a different Ashrei, you can't we yeah. go home and say Ashrei. This is good for me. Okay, <laughs> so the nun, well, we got to finish, though. That nun is nefila, is falling, so we're not going to describe why that is, but it is, not just that the, it's the word. So, and what's samich? And you go in order. 
It's interesting, the word nes is nun samech. It's an order, right? When, when they go in order like that, by the way, it always means rachamim. Words where the root goes up in order is always rachamim, and it's all the more so when they're adjacent letters, when they're like one after the other. Um, is it the opposite? Is and it samech, if it's the opposite? Yeah, it's din the okay. other way. Um, the word melech is mem lamed chav, which is three letters consecutively, but reversed, because melech is din. Samech is lismoch, to support. The word nes means falling, and being supported. After a miracle, we respond with Hallel and Hoda'ah. Hallel, uh, by the way, the order, he says Hallel and Hoda'ah, but if you look in Al Hanisim, right, it's Lehodos Ulahalel, the Hodos first. Why? Because Lehodos is acknowledgement and gratitude. Acknowledgement is like the word Vidui. Vidui is from the word Hoda'ah, Lehodot. Also, Toda. They're both from the root. Right, vidui is to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I acknowledge that you were right. I admit it. And lehodos is to say thank you, gratitude. So lehodos is to thank God for the falling. And lehalel is the praise for the smicha, for the support. That's what a nace is. That's like awesome. Could you repeat that one more time? Yeah. After a nace, after a miracle, we have hoda'a. And Hallel. Lehodos Ulahalel. Lehodos is gratitude for the falling. A gratitude? It means gratitude. It also means acknowledgement or admission. Like to admit that I was wrong and you were right. You did it yourself. Amazing. And Hallel is praise for the Semicha, the support, which means that a nace helps us to see and, to, and the being, in saving us, it's not just that we're grateful for being saved, we're grateful for having fallen and being saved. Okay, and this is, put it on here? No. Oh, this is a different essay from Rav though. We definitely don't have time for that today. I'm trying to think, maybe we're on school tomorrow. I was going to not give share next week, but I have so much stuff over here. If you don't mind that it, it will probably be disorganized again. We could meet next week and just do some other pieces of it. it. Yeah. If you want to. That would be great. Okay. So then I'm going to end with a different, I'm just going to end with one other idea because we were talking so much about eight. I wanted to put it in here. The Gemara teaches, and this is the third source on here, Amar Ravchia Bar-Ashi. Ravchia Bar-Ashi taught, and this is in the context of a, of a Gemara that's talking about gaiva, pride, and how a person shouldn't have pride, and how bad it is to have gaiva. But Rav Chia Bar-Ashi taught, Amar Rav, that Rav taught, Talmud Chacham, a Talmud Chacham, Tzarech Shehebo Echad Mishmona Bishminis, needs to have an eighth, one out of eight part. There it is again, one in seven makes an eight. An eighth of an eighth of gaiva. An eighth of an eighth of gaiva. Right, it doesn't say a 64th. Yeah. An eighth of an eighth of gaiva. Okay, so that is an awesome topic. Definitely not for today because we're late. But I just want to point out, it's the eighth of an eighth. And one of the things we learned, the Vilna Gaon, an eighth of an eighth, which would be, I guess, a 64th, right? But it doesn't call it a 64th. It's an eighth of an eighth of gaiva. It's learned out, the Gros says, why is it an eighth of an eighth? It's the eighth parsha, the eighth pasuk. Did I bring? (laughs) 
Okay. Sorry. The, the problem is that when I get, I brought the quote. No, no, no. The quote is here. The problem is I didn't start it at the beginning. Um, it's it's in this it's this passage. You go, you'll go. You'll look it up. No, no, no. It's, and it's this passage. It's this passage. It's this passage. No, it's this passage of going back for the pachim kitanim. The eighth par- parsha is the eighth parsha. The eighth. It is, but I don't have the full. You know, when we're done, I'll open it. Up. We'll we'll open it up and we'll look and we'll see. Okay. Wait, I think right. It's like yeah, it is. It's like the. This is the fight between Yaakov and Sarah. Yeah. And Sarah, Sarah. So this is the pachim. Yeah, it is. The pachim is in Vayivaser Yaakov Yaakov Levado here. It's the Rashi. Wait, is it? I didn't quote it here. Here you go. Here's, I, I Xeroxed those two pages, but I didn't take it from the beginning. I once counted it. I counted it like two years ago. It really was. He was right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry. You're the eighth of an eighth of Gaiva. So we've got the eighth parsha of the Torah. Yeah. Into the eighth, eighth Do I have the... Let me see if I brought this source. It describes... Here. Let me see the eighth pasuk in the eighth parsha is oh sorry it's not the pachim time it's right before it's where Yaakov says katonti mikol hachasadim I am too small for all the chesed you have done for me Hashem therefore he's afraid right mm-hmm. he's afraid that he doesn't deserve Hashem to save him from Esav I'm unworthy okay and then he goes back for the pachim ketanim the little jugs now what's more unworthy than a little jug more yeah, in the end, between that prayer to Hashem and actually encountering Esav, what happens? He dawns to Hashem, he says, I'm too small for all the chesed you're doing for me. I don't deserve it. Which is, is true, and yet what we have to learn there is you have to have an eighth of an eighth of gaiva. And it seems that that's enacted by what happens in the middle of the night, between the prayer and between the meeting with Esav, which is... He goes back for something so small that nobody would go back for it. It isn't worth it. So just like Hashem would It isn't back. worth it. It's recognizing there's a value even in that which is apparently worthless. Something so small and so... No, there's nothing so small. He realizes, if Hashem gave me the pachim, they must have a purpose. So he went back for them. Himself, in the dark, at night far enough from his family that he was alone by the time he meets the Malach. He goes back to these little chucks, right? It's a, it's a lesson that even that which is so small and so valueless has some kind of value and purpose. That's the eighth of an eighth, right? This is the lesson. So mm. that's the little Pach Shemen. Even the little Pach yeah. Shemen has to have, it's the gaiva of, it's only an eighth of an eighth of gaiva. It's only, I have real value. Even when you Sorry. say, I'm too small for all the chesed, you have to be able to say, I have real value. And, and maybe it's, I don't even know what my value is. You know, you could get in a state where you're so depressed, you don't know what your value is. We should never know from this, right? Person could, what's my value? I have no value. Maybe I've sinned so badly. I don't think I have a value, right? We're not Yaakov's. And the fact is, what Yaakov is telling us by coming back for his pachim katanim is there's nothing that has no value. And that's the moment where he can meet the Tsar of Esav and do battle. And even if he can't win, he still hangs on. He can't win? Okay, but he can't lose. 
there's, there's value. And you can't see what the value is in a struggle like that. You feel like you're not getting anywhere. And the truth is, he wasn't getting anywhere. He didn't, there was no win. And then when the sun came up, it turns out that the struggle changed him. It's not the winning that changed him, it's the struggle that changed him. Okay, so, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> and um, next week, I mean, if, <laughs> if you're up to another slightly disorganized share, because my kids are going to be here and I want to spend time with them. So, last night, I literally fell asleep over the preparation. <laughs> it's even with the materials that I...